0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Text is from 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I've preached on this text many times, but I've never preached what I'm going to share now. And I'll just sum it up for you. David was going through the hardest time of his life. And quite honestly, it was the worst day of his life. It was the culmination of massive problems and trauma that he had come through in his life. Let me sum it up. In 1 Samuel 30, he had gone home to Ziglag, where his family was, with his mighty men, his army, and he was discouraged. And the reason he was discouraged is because his house had been burned down by the Amalekites, the whole city was in ashes. He had nothing left. His, his family had been kidnapped. His resources had been plundered. It was a nightmare scenario. He had lost everything that mattered to him. And it didn't just start in this moment, but the Bible said all of his mighty men, these were, these were mighty men that could fight like the movie 300. They, they were those kinds of fighters. You should read of some of the exploits that they did. One man killed 800 men by himself, and yet when they lost their families, their wealth, their homes, these mighty men began to weep, the Bible said, until they could weep no more. That's really quite a statement when you see strong, massive, athletic type men's men weeping until they can weep no more. And at first they wept because they were blaming themselves. This is what we do when we go through trauma, when we go through pain, when we go through adverse circumstances, we start blaming ourselves. But at some point, blaming yourself is not enough, and then you look for somebody else to blame. And that's exactly what happened in this story. They begin to look for somebody else to blame when they couldn't stand blaming themselves. A lot of times, the things that you're accusing in others, you're excusing in yourself. And a lot of the people that you're blaming, if she would just do right, if that wife of mine would get her act together, if that boss wasn't such a jerk, but sometimes it's you. But when we get tired of blaming us, then we want to blame somebody else. And in this case, they started blaming their leader, David. David the Bible said they, they began to blame him. And not only did they blame him, but they talked of stoning him. This is the man who had made them into everything that they were. They, they had assembled in a cave. And they were in debt and in distress and in discontent. And he whipped them into the mightiest army, the, the most powerful army on, in Israel. And now when the chips are down, now when everything's going wrong, they turn on him and they talk of stoning him. And there is, in this moment, something that you need to see. David and the mighty men are going through, listen carefully, the same experience. The same trauma, the same events, the same pain, the same loss, the same setback. And yet, one is to blame and get angry and mad at God and at their leadership. The other, the Bible said of David, is this magical, powerful verse where it says... But David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I'm going to talk to you for a few moments this morning on the power of a little hope. The power of a little hope. You see, hope is the smallest stage of faith. The Bible said faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you have hope, you have the smallest seed of faith. And Jesus said, if you've got a mustard seed of faith, you can say to the mountain, move, and it'll move. The smallest level of faith. Some of you are saying, well, I don't have any faith. I just don't have great faith. But if you can hope for it, if you can hope for a better life, if you can hope for peace in your home, if you can even hope today, if I can stir you up to appreciate the power of a little hope, that things may be dark. We've been through, I mean, it's been six months basically of hell for just about everybody, unless you live in some bubble somewhere. This has been something unlike anything personally I've ever experienced, but I have learned the power of a little hope, and you're going to understand that in just a moment. But the thing that caught my attention about David and his mighty men they're both going through the same experience and one of them has a bad way they react but the other encourages himself in the Lord David and they have opposite responses David had the attitude I'm gonna take a licking and keep on ticking give me a big amen under the umbrella section back there Sometimes you got to learn to take a ticking and keep on, take a licking and keep on ticking. And David experienced the same thing and yet he did not lose his encouragement, his hope and his faith. Let me tell you how bad his life was and then we're going to turn this real quick. And I'm on the clock. I'm preaching 20 minutes and five is already gone. All right, so listen to this. Listen to this. I was thinking about David yesterday. David had a father, you thought your, your life was kind of messed up. David had a father who didn't even believe in him. He didn't believe in him enough to call him. You remember when Samuel said, God told me one of your sons, Jesse, is going to be the next king of Israel. And he called for all of his boys. And David's father called for seven sons. He had eight and he left David in the field because he had made an appraisal in his mind. That boy will never amount to anything. He's not king material. There's no need to call him in. I won't waste the prophet's time. His own father rejected him. Not only that, but when I thought about David, I thought about how that when he finally made it into the palace to be a musician, a court musician for King Saul, because he could play the harp with excellence, the Bible said that his gift made room for him, and he gets in the he gets in the uh, in the palace. And yet, something happens. Saul, his employer, starts using. Um, workplace harassment in a way you cannot imagine. He picks up spears and starts throwing the spears at David in jealousy fits. And if that weren't enough, then he is in a situation where he thinks, well, I know what I'll do. I'll get married and marriage will help my bad life so far. Um, marriage is not a cure-all. Marriage is, some of you are saying, if I could just get married... My life that's really been messed up would get so much better so quick. Well, he married Saul's daughter. You know, the crazy nuts daughter. And and, and that did not help. She began to mock his worship. You remember she opened the window one day and saw him worshiping. And she was embarrassed because he was dancing and praising God with all of his might. I hope we get that free under the tent that we don't care who sees us on Jamboree. We're going somewhere. Hang in there. And if that were not enough, that he's married the wrong girl, uh, he's going through all kinds of things. And his, he gets married. He has a daughter. Tragically, his daughter is raped by a family member. If that's not enough, his has a son. And the son leads a coup d'etat against his throne and tries to overthrow him. And he's killed. It's one tragedy, one trauma after another. He then commits adultery. He's, his whole life is in disarray and he comes to this moment where the post-traumatic stress of a, a hit after hit after hit after hit has so messed him up that, we, that he finds himself in this moment and yet he's learned the secret David encouraged himself in the Lord, how is it that some people rebound and are resilient no matter what they go through, and others give up and quit and fall along the wayside? What is the difference i found this, I found this uh, this article that I want to give you today, and you can go research it yourself it 's by dr martin Silman s i l i g a n now listen to me carefully, and he is the man who who has discovered a, a psychological term called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. And he did this by doing many tests on animals, and I don't have time to tell you about them all. But the bottom line is simply this. He 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 took he took people and he, after he worked this on dogs and, and on uh, mice, he took people and he put people in a room and he put a button in the room and he had them go in there with no explanation in group one and he turned the volume up real loud and annoying. And there was a button on the wall, and all they had to do was walk over and hit the button if somebody would do it, and the noise would stop. And so the noise comes on, it's very annoying. Somebody gets the courage to get up and walk over and hit that button. In the next group he tested, he had people in the room, same noise, but he had a button that was not connected, and it did. There goes that, and that one, and that one, and that one. I didn't need it anyhow. Hallelujah. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Leave it alone. I want to show the devil I don't need notes to preach. I feel good now. That was kind of bothering me anyhow. Hallelujah. You know, when the devil gets the mess and God gets the blessing. When our program, when we were online this morning on the East Coast at 9 o'clock, I was preaching the second part of a prophetic message, a prophecy message. And right in the middle, our internet shut down. So many people were watching the internet shut down and right in the middle of the message. And I got it. and I thought, well, the devil is on the rampage. But we got it back up in the 11. And I promise you, I know exactly where I'm going. Now watch this. Watch this. So. So, so, so they turn the noise up in group two and they walk over to hit the button and when they hit it, nothing happens. And then they bring in group three and they have the same noise, they have everything, but this time they have no button. Okay, they come back the next day and they have the noise and the people just sit there and they don't do anything except raise their hand. Okay, the next day they come in and those same groups line up and when those groups line up, in that first room, the noise comes on and they, and, and they didn't have a button in any of the rooms. But the first group that knew that there was a way out raised their hands, just on their own, spontaneous. They raised their hands and instantly they, the noise came down. The second group, who didn't know what was going on, you remember, they were the ones that had the button, but it didn't work. They didn't do anything. They just sat there they just sat there and they watched and didn't move because their last experience taught them learned helplessness is what he called this now let me give you where i really want to go and then you're going to get what i'm saying that same scientist took that same scientist took rats and he put rats in a tank of water and when he put the water and the rats in the water, the rats begin to swim and they swam for 10 minutes and then they began to drown and he let them drown. The next group he takes and puts them into water and another group of rats, I don't know where he got them from, he might have went to New York City, I don't know where he got them from, but, 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 but he put them in that water tank and when he put those rats in that water tank, They swam, and he said at about nine and a half minutes, now listen, at about nine and a half minutes, he saw the panic in their eyes. He saw their little feet beginning to weary, and suddenly he begins to drain the water out, and they kept swimming, kept swimming, and he takes them out, and he dries them off. He fills the tank back up with water. He put them in, and this time they swam not 10 minutes, but 18 minutes. He took them out, dried them off, put them back in the water, and the next time they swam 30 minutes. What was happening? He discovered that if you can learn helplessness, you can learn optimism. You can learn the power of a little hope. The power of a little faith. The power that says, you know, this ain't going to last forever. And things Aren't going to stay the same all the time. And if I can hold on a little bit longer. I can make it through this. I've got to have a little bit of hope. You don't have to have great hope. But a little bit of hope that says keep on swimming. A little bit of hope that says don't quit now. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it will not happen. Because people of faith start with a powerful, powerful thing called hope. Hope. A little bit of hope. And what happened to those rats. And those rats have come to preach to Orange County. That sometimes you just got to keep going. Because you don't know that that hand is something in those rats said, that hand is going to come because it came the first time. And therefore I can go longer than I thought I could go. I can endure more than I thought I can endure. I can hold on longer than I thought I could hold on because he got me out the other time. And he got me out the other time. And it feels like it's been a long time trial, God. But if you won't give up, God's hand won't leave you in the storm. Everybody take a praise break and open your mouth and clap your hands and shout if you've got a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope. All right, now listen. So this is where it really gets interesting, and I'm coming in now, so I'll call for the music when I'm ready. Amen. But watch this. This is where it gets interesting, and that's why I handed out the little outlines, because the military took this man's study. On learned hopelessness. There comes a point where people give up and they stop trying. And they call it learned hopelessness. And they decided that if you can have learned hopelessness, you can have learned hope and optimism. Something's coming. Blessings are coming. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. I may be lonely. I may be down. I may be discouraged today. But God's not through with my life. There is a mission and a purpose and a call on my life, and I shall surely see it come to pass. Give me a big amen out there. And watch this. So they they took the word. The military spent one hundred and forty five million dollars. This is in. You can read this for yourself. It's called Perma. P. Perma, it's an acronym. Perma. Everybody say Perma. Perma. The military spent hundred and forty-five million dollars so that they could use this thought of of, of, of of learned helplessness is not what we want to see. People coming back from war who have post just just uh, uh, post this uh, um. Dr- dr- Dramatic stress, just like I'm having right now, post-dramatic stress. And so they said, we've got to figure a way to get these people moved out. And Boy, I I might need one page of my notes. (laughs) Excuse me. Welcome to church outside. I found the very one I was looking for right there. Thank you, Jesus. So here's what they said, number one. The the, the, P, the PERMA, P-E-R-M-A, stands for five things that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to spiritualize them and make our, our quick points, and I can get these across fast. The first thing they said, if you're going to change and make it through traumas that you've been through and things that have almost destroyed you and caused you to lay down in helplessness and say there's no use, it's never going to change. The first thing you've got to have, according to this PERMA, The P stands for Positive Emotions. Positive Emotions. And when I think of positive emotions, I think of the joy of the Lord. I think of Psalms 11 where David said, you will lead me in the path of life and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore and in your presence is fullness of joy. When I think of uh, a positive emotions, I think about what Jeremiah said in the 15th chapter. He said, your word was like a joy and a rejoicing in my heart. Listen to what he said. Because I n- am known by your name. He said, I know who I am. I am a child of God and because of that I have the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah said neither be sorrowful for the joy of the Lord is my strength and if you're going to overcome the setback that you've gone through you've got to get positive emotions and for us that is the joy of the Lord. Maybe the most important verse is John 17 where Jesus was teaching and he said lord i know that you're not going to take them out of the world and in the world they'll have tribulation but then he makes a powerful statement he says but i pray that the joy that i have given them be in be fulfilled listen to these words in themselves in other words, you can have a joy that is inside of you that has nothing to do with what's going on outside of you. Well, if I wasn't going through a divorce, but you can have a joy inside of you. Well, my business is really shaky, But you can have a joy. Positive emotions. It starts with the joy of the Lord. And the amazing thing that that, that got my attention is not only do you need this this joy, but this is what they said that really amazed me. The positive emotion side of thing is they said this joy, what kind of person do you need to be? And, and this is what the study said. $145 million study said this. You need to take seriously, if you've gone through trauma, the idea of a hero like a Greek hero who re, I'm quoting from them, who returns from Hades to tell the world how to live. Oh, you didn't shout like I shouted when I... They, this, is, this is the military saying, if you want to overcome how, what you've been through, you've got to get a new identity of somebody who went to hell and came back to show you how you can make it through your hell. Well... I've just come to tell somebody who's had a setback, you need a new identity. And that new identity is found in Jesus Christ because he died on that cross and he went into the grave and he conquered hell and came out with the keys of hell and of death. And the devil's so defeated, he doesn't even have the keys to his own house. I'm telling you today that you can have positive emotions again. You can get up, Bye. With the joy of the Lord. Bye. I don't need you. I told you that. Everybody clap your hands for positive. I'm tired of being down. I'm tired of being worried. I'm tired of being fearful. I'm tired of being a victim. I'm tired of talking about how bad the past was. Get positive emotions. How? How? The joy of the Lord. Okay, how do I get there? Perma. Positive emotions, the next letter, E. And E stands for engagement. That psychologist said to people who've been through trauma, you got to get positive emotions going. We call that the joy of the Lord. All right, how do I do it? He said engagement. In other words, you can't sit on the sidelines when life is beating you up and just let it happen. But you have to engage. You have to engage. You have to, and I'm going to preach it like I want to, because I'm I'm preaching it like a preacher preaches it. Uh, you got to engage your faith. You've got to engage, and the Lord told me, he said, engage my presence. If you want to overcome the setback, and you want to get positive emotions and your healthy mind you've got to engage the presence of God and they actually say this I wouldn't believe it if I didn't read it myself that that doctor says that there is something concerning engagement that he's going to call you have to get in the flow you have to get in the flow of life again and the flow of life. He's trying to get people out of isolation. But when I say engagement, I'm saying today, this morning, under the sun, under the tent, you need to do more than hear praise team praise. But if you want positive emotions in a moment, you need to engage God. You need to engage Him until you feel His power and feel His anointing and feel His strength and feel His peace. you got to engage. Engage the presence of God. Get into the flow of hope and optimism. Be like those little rats. Let them preach to you this morning that if I can just keep swimming a little bit longer, God's will see me. God's hand will come under me and God will deliver me. And then there's not only engagement and there's not only positive emotions, but the R stands for relationships. And that's why this is so powerful. Because the greatest relationships in the world are in the kingdom of God. The two greatest relationships you can have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And secondly, if you're going to overcome your setback, you need some relationships with some other people. You're not supposed to go through your trauma alone. You're not supposed to be ashamed and hide because you've got issues. Here's a wake-up call. Everybody in this room and every family in this room has issues. Every one of us have struggles. Every one of us have shame. Every one of us have guilt. Every one of us are struggling with things. But the worst thing you can do is pull away and isolate yourself. But you have to hear the word of the Lord that says, if you want to be healthy, get the positive emotion of the joy of the Lord by engaging by getting up, coming to church sitting crazy out in the middle of a parking lot under an umbrella but here I am Lord and I'm here to engage your presence and then he says what will happen is you'll get a relationship with me and then I'm going to give you some power relationships with others and one can put a thousand to flight but two ten thousand if any two of you will agree turn to somebody and say will you be my power relationship relationship Can I preach the last two points? Y'all okay? Let's take a praise break, everybody, and clap your hands and praise the Lord. I'm looking at you all the way in the back. Clap your hands and pray. Come on, you're engaging. You're engaging his presence. Clap your hands and shout through the mask. Shout through the mask. Shout a praise that the devil didn't think he'd hear. Oh, we glorify your name, Jesus. Thank him for good relationships. Now lastly, let me give you the next one. It's a good one. They said the next thing that you need is you need a mission. The M in PERMA stands for mission. Mission. That if you're going to overcome your past, you got to have something in front of you. you got to get a mission. God has a mission for your life. If I could say to anybody here today who's searching and who's been through a hellish life and had setback after setback, God has a mission for your life. You were saved and can be saved on purpose for a purpose. And I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good and not evil. And I've got a mission. And I know that everything that that, that you need you still have any people left you you didn't need them to fulfill your mission your mission is still intact even though you've been through a lot of change and lastly the letter a stands for accomplishments he said what has to happen to people who've been beat up beat down knocked down abused and s- s- sexually or addictions and just down on themselves and broken in life, is not only do they need that mission, something that's bigger than yourself. Connect your life to something that's bigger than yourself. That's Jesus. That's the church. That's the cross. And then He unveils the other things when you get under that big tent. But they said, not only do you need that, but they need to start experiencing some wins. You need some accomplishments. Even if they're small, you need some accomplishments. And I thought of that scripture in Philippians 4. But I can do all things. That's all quoted out loud. I think it's 4 and 18. I can do all things. Come on, everybody. I can do all things. Say it again. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Accomplishments. Accomplishments. You see, it's one thing if you grew up in a slum, in the poorest house in the neighborhood, drug-infested community, gangs, broken home, broken family, addictions, all of that. And somehow, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? And somehow you came through all of that. You made it out. You got your education. You now have a job. You now have a house. You now have a beautiful family. That's a conqueror. But let me tell you what more than a conqueror is. More than a conqueror is not just when you get out, but when you go back in to what God brought you out of and you buy that old house and turn it from a crack house into a rehab center and then you turn around and some of the people you start pulling out because you know exactly how they felt and one by one you pluck them out of the fire that's called a more than a conqueror and I said Lord what do you want me to say to the people as they come to the music I said, what do you want me to say to the people today after five months of pandemic and setback and for many loss and jobs and all kinds of situations that may be feeling crazy in your life? Maybe health issues, maybe grief and sorrow. And you feel like you have post dramatic stress from all that you've been through. He said, you get up and you give them the little lesson from the rats. And you teach them that if they'll keep on swimming, my hand will always lift them up and lift them out. And you teach them that if they have just a little bit of hope, I can work a miracle. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.